the street is where we create. We call it suburbanpreneurship. Mixing big company resources with an entrepreneurial spirit. We're about pushing the pace, leaderhood, and making our mark. Electric people. Electric people. You asked for it, we brought it. Dynamic sales leader episode. I'm sitting here with Dave Edwards. What's going on, Dave? What's up, man? Feeling electrified. Should we tell him that this is like the fifth or sixth time we've had to start this because I did the setup myself today? Uh, maybe the seventh. Maybe eighth. maybe just a little bit of sympathy that you've sat in that chair for 10 minutes and don't have anything recorded yet. Just a wee bit. Or 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. So Dave's coming off an amazing quarter for you guys that, that have been under a rock or haven't seen the numbers. Uh, the East LA crew just finished a quarter record-breaking quarter where all three dms hit franchise that's the first time that's ever happened in the league shout out to you and richie corrier and joe rupel what up yep we re-held it down so lift that rock up and you should start seeing us just doing work <laughs> just doing We're work under there. that's right um but at the same time and obviously not coincidentally you um your team hit flagship and you soared past it so um you guys had 240 installs you got new squad leaders being promoted you got electrifying energy. It was an incredible quarter. It's been an incredible year for you guys. So shout out and props on a great quarter so yeah, far. It's it's been great. The partners that we have, me, Rich, and Joe, like combined, is is just been amazing. I'm, I'm proud, more than proud, of all of us and also the team, and where our success is even going because we're just barely scratching the surface right now. Yeah, you guys, you really should be proud, and you're not the only team in a situation like this. But when in LA is a tough one because you look at like the first of all, you look at the population. You're like, okay, there's like 19 million people in LA. And I remember when, you know, there was um, earlier iterations of the team, kind of like when you first came in and maybe you had like somewhere in that like 15 to 25 people range, right? Uh You were coming from the East Coast. So recruiting is kind of challenging. I know you have roots on the West Coast, you know, from growing up and stuff, but starting a market, growing a market, you have this insane population and saying, okay, LA should be huge, but... Then getting in there and like not having a solid core group to recruit from and things like that, it's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, it was a big challenge, especially coming into a new office where most of the reps didn't know who I was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because they know the managers that were there and some of the people that are on the West Coast. So it was a little challenge. What did you do to initially build influence? And, you know, the other thing about the population is it's very diverse. You look at a 19 million population and you're like, oh, wow, okay, we could put 500 reps here. But not all of it's addressable. Very right? true. You have very different demographics depending on what city you're in. You have different uh, roof types. You've got different jurisdictions. You've got some cities that are cooperative and some that are not. So it ends up being kind of like this massive puzzle. You yep. know, I can I, I agree with you. It's and that's why we have a big diverse office mm-hmm. to basically um, take over each individual area. Yeah, it's one of the things I love with being um, in and seeing your team is you literally have people from all walks of life, male, female, people from other countries, people from L.A., people from the East Coast. It's there's so much energy there because there's so much different perspective. And it's awesome to see them all having success on the same platform and having a great time while doing so. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So back to the original question, what did you do to build influence with the team when you first took over a new group in a new city? So like we all say is uh, numbers, you know, leading from the front. So I went in just full throttle, um, led from the front, pushed as hard as I can. I was out there in the trenches. Um, getting to know each individual rep as much as possible, asking them questions, asking them if they need help with everything, um, with anything. 
um, and just building that relationship. So this way they, they knew I was the real deal and I wasn't just some person that was coming in and not going to stay there forever. I was there. I was set in. I was two feet and I was dialed in and I was there to help them, help the team grow. And yeah, we're here now. It was funny because um, Jeremy Long called me. You worked with him over on the East Coast. So you went from Love New Jeremy. Jersey. Yeah, Jeremy's the man. So you went from New Jersey and then you went to Philly. And you were rocking that David Diggs hair, that super awesome hair back then, dude. Like you were so recognizable. You're still recognizable, but I recognize that curly you. Curly Q. Yeah, dude. I would use a little soul glow back in the day. <laughs> but it was funny because Jeremy called me and he's like, hey, I have this leader. Uh, do you have a spot for him? And I hope he's listening because when Jeremy Long calls you and wants to gift you a leader, it's like, okay, what's wrong with him? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, but I knew that you had your reasons and it was just time for you to make a change. And so uh, it was really cool that, you know, we were able to coordinate as leaders and, and he ended up sending you here. But you had to build influence with the team and then at the same time with your leaders. We didn't know, you and I didn't know each other very well. And so, you know, from, from my perspective and for anybody else that's in a similar boat right now where you're trying to build influence or try to move into a leadership spot or whatever, you did the two things that seem so easy, but you sell a lot and you talk to your people constantly. You ask them the questions. You, I remember you guys like early on taking people to Chick-fil-A and that taco, that nacho tacos place. I remember that the, spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just doing the work, like the, the, the hours on the phone and then the hours on the doors. And then, you know, there's a lot of things in between. You got the right partners on board. We, we help people. those little things literally help out a lot, a ton, just those little things. You might think, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. Even just saying as much as happy birthday yeah. to someone um, that's in your office. It's a big thing that will help you and help them. Yeah. Yeah. And for a lot of the reps, like, you know, you've been doing this, what, seven years, Yeah, almost seven years. Wow. Right. Yeah. Time flies. You need to tack another, another decade on there, bro. You, you got a long runway ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll, well see. how old are you? Uh, 33. All right, dude. Just a spring chicken. Uh, congrats the on the spring. Congrats chicken. on the new baby, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate if it. You guys follow Dave on I'm Instagram. I'm trying, trying to catch up. You, yeah. Good luck. Good luck. You got a lot of work to do to catch up. <laughs> One more. I'm done. I know. <laughs> I don't know if that's a race you want to enter. No, nope, I don't. I know I'll lose. You can get the pride of winning, but there's real like ramifications <laughs> of trying to outkid me. Um, but the most beautiful little girl, it's like you and your wife, Emily, like sat and literally like designed this child, like beautiful dark eyes, hair bouncing all around in her little bouncer. Yes. She's amazing. She's literally the best thing that's ever happened. You know, it's like, you don't know, like people kind of get nervous about being a parent or they're like, um, I don't know if I'm ready for it. You never know when you're actually ready. And then when that does happen, it's literally changes your whole world. Talk about that because we talked about some of the early accomplishments. We'll get into the story of last year, but you layer, you know, you got married. How long ago did you get married? year and a couple months ago. Yeah. And then on top of that, have a baby immediately bought a new house and you're, you're juggling this dynamic with your leaders and the team. Um, you know, sometimes people use the word balance, but how do you, how do you manage it all? How do you fit it all in? And what's it been like adjusting to having a wife and a little one? It's been a crazy adjustment, but it's an adjustment. I'm a type of person where I will figure it out. I'm a problem solver. You know, most of the sales team, sales reps are problem solvers. That's what we're here to do. Um, so I just made a, an adjustment on making sure I can balance workout and be there for the reps and to create my own accounts and then also be there for my family. So I have it juggled down. This is family time. These days are uh, where I'm reaching out to reps uh, four or five days a week. Um, Sundays are family days. 
completely family days. And then uh, it was just it was just a tweak, little tweak of an adjustment. It took a couple months to figure it out to make sure that it made sense because in the meantime, I still had to make sure my numbers were up and things like that. Um, but then I knew what I was fighting for. I knew what I was going out for. So it's like I wanted to build my career um, and, you know, make sure that it all made sense and I'm able to give as much as I can to my family and support my, my wife and kids and, you know, at the same time, be a part of the team and help grow. I'm learning new things every day. So I try to adjust as much as I can to where it's going to help me. Are you uh, like a formal schedule guy, like a type of person that like blocks schedules? Like I'm not a color coding guy like you're Joe. Not. No. Well, yeah, that, I guess that's a hard question to ask because Joe Rupel's your partner and he is. He is the ultimate color coder for everything. <laughs> it's literally looking at all the color codings he does. It just gives me a headache. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I'm, and you're such a social person, right? And you're, you're a connector. And so I wonder for other people that are like you that are juggling all of the different responsibilities and, you know, are extroverted and get energy from connecting with people. How do you also make sure that everything else gets done? So the best thing that works for me is I write things down and then I'll put it in my, my calendar and say, okay, this is what I need to do for this. And these are my goals for the day. These are my goals for the week. These are my goals for the month. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like a checklist too. So I'm checking off like, okay, I did this. Okay. I did that. And then by continuing to do that, it's just like clockwork. So it, it's automatic. So yeah. I know what I'm doing, what I have to do. It's just a given. So, and I adjust things and tweak things here and there. I found the the method that works for I'm the same. Like I've been working on a functional, like get stuff done system perpetually, like since I started like actually having so much to do that I needed to start writing it down. And I found that the method that works for me is, you know, I do it once a week where generally on Sunday I'll sit down and I'll write down like my priorities for the week and I'll do it in categories. So I'll have like three or four categories. So like as a DM, one of them is recruiting, like who's in my pipe and who needs me this week. And I'll put two or three names down and then I'll go into contacts. Like who do I just need to make sure I connect with one-on-one -on -one this week? Your name's been on that list a handful of times, Mr. Edwards. Where's my call? <laughs> you get those NRCs, dude, those no reason calls. You know about those. Um, and then I have a category that's work and it's just all the work crap I got to get done, whether that means design a training program, whether that means order shirts, whether that means, uh, you know, plan the training for Thursday or, you know, get together the quarterly numbers, whatever it is, just like my to do's. And then the last one is home. So that can be like, send Stacy's stuff back to Amazon and touch up the paint on the wall, whatever. And so I think what you hit on, that's the key is most people have like the list, but then the list just gets like longer and longer and longer and longer. They don't execute. They don't execute. And I think the next step is the one that's important is then I open up my calendar. So I'll like split screen between like the, the priority list and then the calendar. And then I start saying, okay, when, when am I going to create the training program? And you look at your schedule and you're like, all right, I got to do it Wednesday morning at seven 30. That's the time I have to do it. When am I going to schedule my rep interviews and you time block, right? Uh -huh. Like that. Uh -huh. And I found the same thing. Like if it's in my calendar, I don't even have to think about it. I don't have to find time for it. I just obey it. Right. Like I just like obey the calendar. And if, you know, if my daughter has a recital, punch it in the calendar and then I'll work around it, you know, but I definitely think as, as we have more responsibilities at home in life, in work, time blocking, man, it's the, it's the key. It is. And it's like the same thing that you do with Sundays. I just actually put everything in order and this is what needs to be done by this week. And when it comes to work, recruiting, you know, reaching out to existing reps, um, also family time, things like that. 
uh, I'll, I do that every Sunday as well. Mm. So just make sure I know, okay, this week, this is what's going on. And then I double check it. So I do it every, actually every Sunday morning. Um, and then I double check it before I go to bed at night. And I'm like, okay, oh, cool. this is what needs to get done. This is what I have. Do I have anything else I needed to add? So this way it gives me the day to actually think about anything else that I needed to add. So I unplug it in. Yeah, that's cool. I remember the year that I figured that out. It was, um, I had done direct sales for like three or four years, I think. And it was the first big team that my brother Jordan and I had run. So back then a big team meant something different. We had like 50 sales reps, which was a big alarm team. Like that's a big team, you know? And um, I remember thinking like, we have to call all these reps and it's going to take a lot of time. And so we used to divide and conquer on Mondays, but I went to Franklin Covey, like Franklin Covey used to have like box stores, like mm-hmm. next to the TJ Maxx. And I went in there and I was like, I need a, like a day timer. I need like a calendar thing. And I remember buying a one, day timer. a day timer. Dude. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. It was like 2008. It's not like it was like 1981. So I got this day timer. And then um, in the house I was living in my office, Uh, I had to pass it to go upstairs. And so every night before I went to bed, I'd stop at my desk and I'd like hit the day timer. You know what I'm saying? Day timer time. My wife still uses a day timer. Wow. Yeah. Like a, like a pen and paper. Yeah. It works. It's better, better than not having one. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would stop by that and every night I'd be like, okay, what am I doing tomorrow in these categories? Create the list, go upstairs and call it good. And it, dude, it changed my life. Like it, it took me from being kind of this free form. I'll remember I got this kind of like super connected. It's all in my head guy Mm -hmm. to the type of person that's like, I'm, I'm doing so much that I need help. And, yeah. and just having the simple method and system, that's really key because you that's strike That's crazy because that's kind of like how I was with like, I, I can wing it, but it doesn't, when it gets to a certain point, you can't wing it. Yeah. Things don't work like that. You get wong. Yeah, exactly. Try to wing it, you get yourself wong, wong out there. Get wong. <laughs> so, and it doesn't work like that. And especially when you have more things piling up and piling up, you know, yeah. and then they're not going to get done or you're going to forget or this and that. So it's like, you need to have some kind of structure that's going to help balance your full schedule yeah. in your life. There's a book uh, by David Allen called Getting Stuff Done. It was like from like, I think like the late 90s. It helped me because one of the things that he says is your mind is a, is a terrible office. Like an office is a place where you store things, right? Like if you say like, oh, okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's circle up and meet up on that. And you don't like write it down or time block it, right? Then you end up losing it. And, or or you, you're, you're, you have all these like apps processing in the background where you can't like provide full brain power to what you're doing. And so his big thing was you got to have like a deposit spot. So like whether that's a notes app, whether that's categories, whether that's your reminders or something. But then, you know, when your wife texts you when you're on your way home and is like, oh, hey, it's so-and-so's birthday party next week. We need to go. It's like you need to have a place for that. You got to have a place where you drop that. I put you know that I mean? immediately in my calendar, right in calendar and I give myself an alert for a couple days. Yeah. You know, and you don't got to think about it again. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. It, it's funny because there is a transition. This job's really entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. right? And there's not people that'll call you up and be like, well, Dave, you're a DM now. Let's go in and educate you on the to-do system, right? You just, you kind of either self-educate and proactively figure it out or you just kind of drown, right? So I found that's really functional, but you strike me as somebody that's so cool and connected. And we're on that Michael Phelps tip, so we're not drowning. (laughs) We're not drowning. (laughs) But it's nice to know that behind it, you have a method and a system that that helps you get things done. Uh, Okay, you're warmed up. I think I'm ready to talk about 2020. I love it. That's extended into deep 2021 for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, for people that don't know, the East LA office and your um, leadership team and the reps that are on the team went through a pretty crazy 
version of COVID-19. Now, everybody had their own experience with this, but I'm going to kind of tell it as I see it so that we get the full effect and then you fill in the gaps because there's a lot that I don't know. But um, L.A. County was very strict. One of the first to implement like lockdowns and masks. Well, in like it was like end of March, mid-March of 2020 that they locked things down. And then it was only like a month or two after that where you started to have like the BLM movements and the, the, the actual rioting happening in your territory. So from a sales standpoint, you know, COVID happened. And at first we're like, okay, let's mask up, let's sanitize and let's go out and let's be really careful. We started to do that for a couple of weeks. Then, you know, the mandates came in place. We had to stay at home. So we started calling over the phones. Well, after a few months, we were able to go back out on the streets. But I remember talking to you and Joe and Rich who live in like the Long Beach to like, you know, like South LA area. And I remember I was on the phone with Joe and he was looking out the window. He's like, they're burning shops down across the street from my house. Like it was crazy. Yeah. It's like, I don't feel safe going outside. Right. So then in the meantime, you guys outgrow slash lose your office space due to not being able to meet in person and just growing. Somehow you added bodies during this time. Right. We don't know how, but it happened. Yeah. And then, and then the rest of the country, a couple months after kind of opened up, we still had to like, you know, be conscious of COVID and stuff, but LA County stayed locked down for a really long time. I remember you guys were calling months after we were, and then, in the, and then by the time we could meet up and stuff, you had lost your office space. So you were literally homeless for a year and a half. Your team met in a public park. And last thing I'll say on it before you tell the story is I remember I came to do a training. I'm like, I just got to see the guy. I haven't seen him for so long. And you're like, cool, this is the park. (laughs) So I'm going to my first park meeting. I usually have presentations, you know, that like go up on the wall, like, you know, airplayed to the TV. And so we're in this gazebo and they start like dropping the mowers and starting the leaf blowers and stuff. And this, this like city official came over and I remember I was talking. So he grabbed you and you're like, we're literally getting kicked out of the park. The only like public place we can even gather. And they're like, Hey COVID, you can't gather in a park with more than five people or whatever. Ridiculous. We got kicked out of the park, dude. So like I'm there to train. It's already hard. They're doing their maintenance work. And I'll tell you what, when the when the when the South LA County public official comes, he doesn't care what your title is. He's closing the park. Yep. Right. Shutting it down. So through that, I mean, you would think that that's a time where you guys would lose headcount. And on top of that, you I mean, we'll talk about goo, but I mean, just crazy adversity. So maybe tell me how knowing those things, how you guys strategized, how you got through it, because on record, East LA got it worse than 95 percent of the rest of the company. And you pulled through it, right? We did. We did. We made it work. And again, it goes down to, you know, problem solvers and work with what you have. And that's what we had at the time. So, but yeah, the park, (laughs) we were at the park for about a year and a half. You ever just go back to the park, like maybe once a quarter and be like, hey. I I drive past it. (laughs) You take the whole office and you're like, hey, this is, this is where you grew up. This is where we started. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. Um, But no, I mean, it's, it actually helped grow and build our whole office and our team. We also just started doing more things that were a lot fun as a, as a team at the park. So we made it like, okay, let's play kickball once a week or something like that. So people were loving that. They were having a lot of fun. It's like PE for When's the adults. last time you played kickball? It's been a while. Yeah, exactly. It's been a while. So it's like adult kickball? Oh yeah, it's fun. But now you got to be careful not to roll a roll a knee or slip know, and break I a know. cankle, dude. Ah uh, no, <laughs> we're getting uh, getting those that age up right now, getting a little older. Yeah. So it's like you run, and then the next day you're like, "Why am I sore?" Oh yeah, 
recess. I played kickball. <laughs> so how'd you get, how'd you guys get the team on board? What was the strategy? Because you were doing a combination of zoom calls and a meeting in the park and you guys did that for a year and a half, yeah. a year and a half. I know. Um, it's you know, our team trusted us. They, they, they respected us. They knew we were all going through the struggle and, um, them being on board with everything that we were trying to make happen. They saw the, the outcome. They saw what we could potentially have and how far our office can actually grow and the the income the fun the growth all together all those things came together it actually they 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 were with us it only works if you've been doing the work if you've been if you've been doing the calls staying connected hitting people when they're low right you know what i mean like doing the nightly calls and calling someone and say how are you doing like if you're not catching those things you don't retain people not at all that. Not at all. So it's like we were reaching out to reps, you know, constantly just asking questions, just saying, hey, how's everything going? Not just with work related, just life, you know, and, and at the same time, we're, we end up being like life co- life coaches, too. Um, but it is what it is. You know, it's like they respect and they love that more, you know, and I do it just to do it, not to just, you know, do it because I want to retain someone. I just do it because I'm genuinely care and I want you I want to make sure that you're good. So one of the things that I hope you're cool talking about it, but I think it's I think people have heard it secondhand and like, you know, maybe like understood the struggles. But it's one thing to say we we're in a park. We didn't have a place to build culture. It's another thing to understand that in a market like yours in East L.A., you have really diverse people and a lot of their a lot of their home situation. You know, for a lot of people, it's like the meeting's one of the brightest, lightest, happiest times of the week. And, you know, if you're if you're sitting in a small spot where there's people rioting outside of you or people are scared of covid and things like people really do get to that mental space. But I think the the kind of the tip of the iceberg or the I guess maybe the peak is when you guys were playing kickball in the park, you had a good buddy that you had brought out that you knew on the East Coast, knew his family and uh he had actually passed away in a freak accident. Yeah, which is which is really crazy. That's what's making me think about that. It's yeah. like I've known him and his family for years, over a decade. He's one of my best friends that moved back out to LA to come work with us. Um, and you call him Goo. His first name is Michael. His last name. How do you say his last name? Galad. Galad. Yeah. Okay. So we call him Goo Man. Yeah. And it's actually coming on almost a year. Has it been a year? Uh-huh. Time flies. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, a freak accident it was crazy that we were actually playing kickball that day. And all of a sudden he was like, Oh, uh, I have shortness of breath. I need to hang. I need to chill. And I'm just like, okay, why don't you go sit down and relax for a minute? And then all of a sudden he had a seizure and, and he was 32 and healthy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, and we weren't expecting that. We thought that he was going to be, you know, he's good and you know, maybe was dehydrated or whatever it was. Um, one thing led to the next and he was no longer with us. Yeah. Um, I remember getting that phone call. I was actually with Chance already. We were working on a project. And I remember, um, you know, you tried to call me multiple times. And you're like, emergency. And the thing that kind of stuck with me about, like, the trauma of that, I wasn't there, right? But I know that there were reps on the team that had, like, attempted to revive him and use CPR. And I know that, you know, the ambulance showed up and had to use the paddles. Like, it's just a terrible... And you got a big old team. Uh-huh. You got 50 guys in the park watching one of their team members go through this and then hearing the news that he had passed away. It's it, all so confusing. It hit hard. It yeah. hit really hard for, you know, the whole team. Not just me personally, the whole team. They were all in shock. Um, and, you know, by that happening, it actually made us grow a little bit stronger together, more closer. Um, and 
respect each other a lot more and, and really acknowledge that we never know what's going to happen tomorrow. So yeah. take advantage of what you have right now in front of you. Yeah. The, um, maybe talk for a second about the strategy when he had passed away. Cause you guys, I remember talking to you and saying, okay, we kind of have two options here, right? You can, you know, just do nothing and let everyone kind of like make their peace with this or you guys can band together and, and have this mean something. And so, maybe talk about what steps you guys took with funeral costs and like getting the team to perform for goo rather than not perform because of this traumatic event. Yeah. So basically what we did was we'll start first off, um, his family in the East coast, they don't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, let's try to raise some money for his the funeral costs and everything. So we ended up doing a GoFundMe page. Everyone donated. We donated over $30,000 to help for his family, for the funeral costs, the transportation, everything, which is huge. Yeah. I was not expecting it to be that much. Um, Isn't it striking when that happens? Like as someone that's running a team and the team, like the ones that always get me, it's awesome when, that people that can give, give generously. But it's it's almost more impactful when you know, like you got a brand new rep that hasn't made any money yet. And they're like, hey, I got 50 bucks. That's what got me. So there was, I was seeing it come in. It was like, ding, a thousand dollars, ding five from reps that just started with the company. And I'm like, wow. So you might have 5,000 to your name, but you're giving a thousand of that. Yeah. To Like that's, that was crazy. It's nice that made me, it made me feel good inside. Like, okay, we have genuine great people that yeah. work with us. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge thing that helped grow us with the GoFundMe page. And then we also did a little, um, a little uh, peaceful uh, what is it called? Um, like a, like a, a, a celebration of life. Yeah, celebration of, celebration life, yeah. of life. We did at his uncle's house. Uh, the whole team came over. We had a good time. You know, we enjoyed ourselves. Um, but we actually de designated a day um, for goo. So this one day that we went out, we had one day set where we're just selling for him in his honor and his name. So half the people that sold that day, they took some of their money and they threw it in the GoFundMe page. Um, other people did something else for goo. Uh, so it was, it was a great diverse, uh, culture and great diverse thing that, that everyone did to help him. Yeah. And I was proud of you guys when you did that. Like, it's cool to know that, you know, the values and stuff you talk about are not just things on the wall to help people produce, but you know, there's a lot of people that don't know how to process that kind of pain. And I think you guys like kind of leading the way and saying, Hey, let's, let's celebrate the life. Let's contribute where we can. And then let's band together and be proactive and productive and and go out and try to do something positive mm -hmm. it was like not only was it like textbook great leadership it's kind of the right thing to do you know what mm -hmm. i mean and it might sound a little cliche but i think that that's probably what he would have wanted like uh, no 100 he's a bud like he doesn't want you sitting around being bummed out he's like you know like no and the, sh the show must go on at the end of the day it's it, it has to go on and keep going and he's gonna love the fact that we all grow grew and came together more than anything, you know? And as the goo man would always say is cha-cha. Cha-cha. <laughs> I would get random texts from him like cha-cha. I'm like, what is he talking about? He's is he doing feeling the, it, is he, dude. Is he doing the cha-cha? Yeah, What's going on? I don't know. Um, but yes, he is missed. Um, and it's coming on a year. And yeah, it's still shocking to me. Still, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, I don't get a cha-cha text. Like, it, it really gets to me. But uh, we do have a lot, of, a lot of people on the team that were actually close with him as well. Yeah, I, I appreciate you being willing to share because... One of the things that, that I think happens to us in our minds when we're doing a, a job where it's really performance-based is we often think that our situations are unique. Because this happened to me, I'm justified in not moving forward. 
But what you just described, two things. Number one, you guys went forward in the appropriate way. But number two, it's kind of one of those things like Ryan Holiday has that book called The Obstacle is the Way. It's like the reason your team is so tight and the reason you guys got through it is because you've experienced stuff together, right? Like, and you've stayed connected through it. Like you guys were in a foxhole together. It's why people go into the military and they're friends with people from their platoon 50 years later. You know, it's like when you think about your team and I think of the individuals, like the same faces I always see every single time that I'm there. It's like, wow, they were all there next to you through that entire thing. And that forms a bond with people that's truly special, but it also increases the capacity it of does. everybody on the team, right? Like they're more bought in. This actually is their family. Like the Christmas parties that you guys have and like the event, like this is where they choose to be with the people they choose to be with. And if you don't have that kind of culture in your team, like look for the, like we're all going through struggles at various times. Look for opportunities to bring the group together because it does help reinforce and help the team move forward. When you think there's no more, nothing else left and you're like, oh, this is going to be clean sailing. That's not the case. There's always going to be something. So yeah. just being prepared for that, those little speed bumps, you know, this, this was obviously one of the biggest things that's happened to, you know, me and, and the team. Um, but it's, it's literally helped us a lot. It's yeah. like, you know, and other reps think, okay, they, they went through this. They went through that. They didn't have an office and you know, they were at a park. Um, they had a, a good a rep that passed away. Um, they, we didn't have, we don't have panels. We don't have operations team. We don't have this. There's always something, but as long as we overcome that and keep pushing, those are the ones that are going to like stay on and stick and, and, and be successful in what they're doing. And regardless of it being work related, just anything, you know, personal related, anything, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. That helps. Like, I think if, if any of us are like frustrated with any of our tools, any of our situation, like our office is too small or something like that, like it's always something think to this group though. Like it reminds me of this picture I saved. I don't know if you do this, but I save like when I see something inspirational, I like save it in my inspirational folder. You got one. I of those? got one. I all got right. an inspirational quote folder. In my, there you in go. My like, we're all the same person. <laughs> um, but there's this one that, that stands out. My friend, I believe my friend Jason Shaw who works over at Vivint Smart Home posted it. But it was a picture of a kid um, in like a third world country. And he there's these shoes. Like I lived in South America for a couple of years and there was, they'd all have them. They're like Keds. You remember Keds? Like not quite Vans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's this kid, he's out playing like soccer on a dirt field and he's got these shoes on and they're like the white standard issue, like Keds, like just your standard canvas cheap shoes. And this kid was probably like a kid's like size, like four, like a little guy. And he was probably wearing an adult like eight. Wow. And uh, he had the, the shoelaces tied around his ankle to like, like you would tie like old school, like sandals or something. And then he had a clothespin on the back of his heel, sucking up that gap, you know, pitched off like that. And it said something like, think of this next time you don't have something that you want. Like I'm trying to get these new shoes. You made it work. Yeah. My shoes are dirty. I don't have this. I don't have that. I always think of that. I don't know why of all the millions of inspirational things. I'm like, here's a guy that would love to have your problems. Yep. You know what I mean? And not to make it like, I don't know. I, I hope that's said in the right light, but it's like you guys like literally were going through this so much longer than everybody else. And it you is. used it as an advantage. I, you know? I understand that completely. And these are good problems to have. Like when it comes to like panels, you know, not that many panels or panel shortage, um, operations issues, things like that. Yeah. Those problems are going to happen regardless of, you know, what's going on in the industry. It's going to happen. So um, but we're also growing. We're also building. We're also, yeah. you know, we hit the most installs we ever hit in a quarter, yeah. uh, last quarter. 
So those problems are fine. Yeah, and you'll you'll look back on it the next time you have problems, which you will have. We always tend to think once this happens, I'm going to be stoked. I know you're like, oh my god, this is done. We're good. We can go. We're running yeah, off to the races. Like, and then here's you're like, another thing. Mm-hmm, there's another wall. Yeah, that's right. Um, I want to switch gears for a second because um, I want to maybe speak to your innate strengths because I think there's other people that could learn from the way you you learn to maximize your strengths. So one of the biggest strengths I would say you have is your ability to network. You have the most insane like contact slash manner of doing business. Like for you guys that, that maybe, yeah, well, it's true, right? Like you'll call me with this. You've probably stumped me probably more than any other leader because you call and you're like, Hey, I got this $140 million home in Beverly Hills. The guy runs his hedge fund. He doesn't want his name used. And I'm in my head being like, yeah, right. And you're like, I'm gonna send you a video of me walking around the place. And then I get this video of this, like completely like travertine marble home that you're, he's like, we can put the panels over here. And I'm like, dude, how do you know this man? You know? Um, but you have this amazing ability to network, to bring people in, to recruit through just really social ways. So maybe talk to me about, um, how you've learned to capitalize on your innate, like desire and skill to connect with people. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I always look at it like, you know, everyone's like, Oh, I want to make some money. I want to do this. And you know, I need to do this to make money. I look at money as relationships, you know, having stronger relationships, the money will come. And that's just how I look at everything. So every time I meet someone new, it's like, I'm not, I'm, I try to be humble. I try to talk to them um, and be genuine when I'm going, when I'm talking to them about anything. Uh, but just building a strong relationship, finding a, some kind of connection that I can connect with them and vibe. And if not, I'll just have a regular conversation, but I'll explain what I do and who I am, where I'm from. And so let's talk about that. Sorry to cut you off. There's oftentimes like, I don't know how to say it. Like maybe it's shame or fear associated with, what we do, but you're often in these, like, you mean you were a club promoter before, right? It was an entertainment business for years when I was a kid. Yeah. I a club promoter for a little while. And yeah. I've been to recruiting events with you that are more like, like influencer parties. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so sometimes uh, you would think in those circles, you'd be, some people would be nervous to say, Hey, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a direct seller of solar products. You know what I mean? Talk to me about how you bring it up because I think the mentality is you would probably say, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but how do you, how do you bring it up and how do you think about it? At first it was a little bit, you know, coming from my background of just being around, you know, people that are multimillionaires and also big actors because I was in the entertainment business. Uh, it was made me nervous at first. And then I was like, you know what? Who cares? This is what I do. This is who I am. It is what it is. You love it or hate it. It is what it is. I'm going to tell you what I do. And if you like it, then we'll, you know, we'll go from there. If not, then you're not, I'm not friends with you. You know, I don't care, you yeah. know? So it's like just having that attitude where it's like, don't worry about other people, worry about yourself. And, you know, make them feel like you are okay with what you do. Yeah. So, and that's, that's how I made it seem where it's like, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It's the same thing with, with approaching customers really, hmm. where it's like, if you're weird about it, they're weird about it. But if you say, Hey, listen, here's the program, here's the benefits, do it or don't. It's almost one of those things where it's like, they're going to want to, yeah, it's you that just, confidence, yep, right? It's just like, having the confidence and they, they're going to want to see what you're, you're selling or you're, you know, you got going on. Yeah. They love that. Yeah. It's just a hook. The other thing I would say though, is your networking doesn't just, uh, and, and it's true. Like I can't tell you how many friends of yours I've met. You're like, Hey, this guy, he was an actor or he was an agent or he does music on side, but he wants to get, he wants to do this, but you also put your name out there for personal accounts. I mean, you do a lot of business for personal contacts and, and friends and business contacts. Maybe talk about that. Cause there's some people that would say, 
I don't want to be that close to it. What if they have a problem? What's your philosophy on doing business with, with close colleagues and people that you know? So, I mean, here's the thing is like, uh, people that know me, they know I, you know, I'm working in the solar industry for a while. Um, and when it comes to helping them with solar, I, I try to do my best. I let, I let them know this is what we can do. This is what I've been doing. I have it on my house. Um, we can save you a lot of money. You know, I wouldn't steer you in the wrong direction. They trust me. So the people I have, they trust me. They know that I wouldn't push them in a way that's not going to make sense for them, that they're going to have issues with yeah. down the line. If that answers your question. It does. Do you ever get worried about their experience, though? Like, what if something happens outside of your control? It takes forever to turn their system on or something like that. Like, I, how do you balance I've that? I've actually had issues with friends. I'm, I'm on the emails. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have. That, that's only a couple of the emails. Yeah, I know you have, right? Um, and it's, they understand. They understand there's issues. They understand. They know that I just tell them to be quiet. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll get it done. Yeah. But they trust me. They know that I'm here. I'm yeah. going to guide them through whether it takes, you know, a couple months or a year or maybe a year and a half. <laughs> um, but they know that I'm there. Yeah. So I like that philosophy, man. I think uh, I think when you're unapologetically you and you, frankly, in my eyes, you've developed a lot in that space. Like at first I used to think candidly, OK, like you're going to do this thing. It's better than not doing anything. But why don't you just why don't you just like go knock and why don't you just like do this the traditional way? Mm-hmm. And I. What I've come to appreciate is you do do that, but it's not, you're not, everything that you do is additive, right? So it's like you do your job, you call your reps, you knock the doors, you help them close the accounts. But then if there's a, if there's an opportunity to go for an additive bonus on this massive house or an extra thing, because I'm going to go there and whether or not, and whether or not we can do the install, I still built a relationship. That's what it comes down to is like what I say is money relationships is money because you never know. You really don't know. Maybe something down the road, you've already had that relationship. They know who you are and you've already met them. They, you know, you made a good impression on them so that you never know. That's yeah. what I always say. You never know if that, you know, you'll see them out one other day or like, let's say in 10 years, you're trying to do something to help out your family member and all of a sudden they're there, you know? So, yeah. What's, uh, what's next for the team? Where do you guys envision the team? You're how many reps now? Uh, like around almost 60 and you're in an office now did it feel weird at first you had finally. to get house broken again finally so i said <laughs> you still don't have furniture right like no but you got a roof over your head we got a roof and over a tv on the wall and air conditioning and it, hey man and a game room there you go we got a game room too um but we said if uh numbers start to drop everyone's going to be dropping yeah, right I'll down get to the park right now to the park yeah i'll use this big place as my personal <laughs> office and we'll be back with the leaf blower <laughs> um, what, what's no. next for the team what do you think so we're trying to double up, double up what we have, you know, as our reps and we want to recruit more. We actually just started recruiting a lot more. We actually brought on about almost, almost 18 new recruits. We're also doing a recruiting event next month uh, for the team. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We try to make it fun, you know? Yeah. So we make it so exciting that people, you know, that would go there, not think they were going to actually come on and try to work with us. And then all of a sudden like, oh, I love their energy. I love their this atmosphere. Maybe I do want to go and work with you guys. Yeah. And always think about this is like the average income in the U.S. I think is like forty, fifty thousand $50,000 a year. And then average income in L.A. is 70000 a year. We have people making that in a week to a month, you know? So it's like some people, you know, want that financial freedom. They, you know, they don't know that avenue to that's going to get them there. And this might be that stepping stone. 
And especially when we have our current reps that are at the recruiting events talking to potential new recruits and explaining to them like, hey, this is life changing. This is everyone that's been working in the office. They all say the same thing. This is life changing opportunity. It's and I know you say this all the time, too. It really is. It's there's nowhere else that I know that you can work your first year and make over a quarter million, half a million, million dollars a year. You really there's nowhere else. We're averaging more than average CEOs in the U S yeah. So, and, but it's not even just about that. It's also about the people that are you're working with. Cause it's not just about the money. It's about the, who you make it with and I agree. who you're grinding with and who you want to be around, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I was talking to someone last night. I, I took a phone call on the way back from the airport last night. He'll know who I'm talking about. And we were talking about, you know, the benefits of here versus the other options kind of in the industry have that conversation a lot. I'm sure. <laughs> but it, it, I don't really get tired of it because people are coming at it from a different angle. And like the way you just put it where it's like, Hey, these reps and this kind of this member, these members of my like family, you know, they're out earning people that have these crazy impressive degrees that have this, like these products they've created or these systems that they've figured out. Right. Like when you think about that, it's like, you should talk to everybody. And if it's for them, great. And if not, but when I was talking uh, to this rep on the way home, we went through all of the things like the pay is better, the product's better and getting really differentiated. Uh, you know, the price that you charge customers, it's better for them. Uh, you know, the process we're in various phases of the process all the time. Sometimes we're the fastest, sometimes we're the slowest, it's always going to vary. And then we went through all that. And then I just said to him kind of at the end, I was like, Hey, like talk to me about the people that you work with and talk to me about some of the things you've learned from. Him. And he went on and on and on and on and on. And I was like, I don't know how you put a price on that piece, but yep. it's what I want to be around. So it's like the fact that you have the opportunity to earn well, awesome. The fact that you have, you know, a challenge and you become something great. But this third piece, this experience piece where you know, through the league and through the competitions and through the incentives and through the associations, you get to experience back to your relationships and, and connection. And man, you don't usually get all of those things. No, you don't. Right? And like you were saying earlier, like our office is a diverse office. So we have all different cultures in our office um, and now all different professions. We have teachers, attorneys, um, real estate agents, all different crazy professions mm-hmm. that all came and saw the opportunity and they, they understand, okay, this is going to, you guys are going to, you're rolling with it. You're making it happen. The whole planet is probably going to have solar within the next 20 years or so. Or yeah. I want to jump on board that train. And we heard that train earlier. Yeah. Where did that thing come from? <laughs> Remember Inception? Have you seen Inception? Yeah. You know, when they're like in the car, when they first get into the dream and all of a sudden that train comes and just hits the I car. Say, yeah. Where yeah. did that thing come from? That's like what's going on out here in the city of Irvine today. That's what we're doing. That's what we're, we're coming doing. out of nowhere. You guys it, are doing. But yeah, but we know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave our listeners with a tangible tip. You ready? A little TT, a little tangible tip. I'm taking my hat off. For all the right. Tip. Um, you mentioned that you're about to do a recruiting event. Correct. Let's challenge everybody that's listening that had that twinge saying, I should do a recruiting event, but maybe they don't know how. How do you put on a recruiting event? How do you get people to bring their friends? What does the flow look like? So that, like, what are the couple steps so that the people that are listening that might not be as confident can implement a recruiting event in their market? Cool. So yeah, basically we're still working on it right now, but we get the venue set up. So we, we got a venue that makes sense with our budget. Um, the so you day. go like rent like a, like a cool spot, like a we cool actually, like loft or something. Yeah. Something cool. It's going to, you know, grab people yeah. there's attention, you know, and if it's not that cool and you have a certain budget, then 
make it cool by getting, you know, cheap things, decorations that are yeah. going to make it look really cool. cool. Um, but find a, a location that makes sense. That's kind of cool in between of like any of the, your, your office area, try to find something in the middle. Okay. Um, and then possibly a Saturday or, you know, it just depends on the day that works for you guys. We, we we're doing one on a Saturday. Like a Saturday night. Uh, yeah. Saturday night. So we're going to do it a Saturday night. And then when it comes to recruiting, uh, we basically are working out with our team where they have to bring at least one, uh, I think at least one one recruit, but the uh, they would actually get, uh, what is it, uh, uh, tickets. Like prizes for a raffle? Or yeah, raffle, that's raffle. what I'm just going uh-huh. black. So every recruit they bring, they get a raffle. And we uh-huh. have different prizes for each, for the raffles. This one's, is for the people that bring them, not for the We're going to have two separate raffles, oh, okay, cool. sorry. So two separate raffles. One's going to be for the recruits that come on board, or that they're, they're bringing, and then one's for the reps that brought the recruit. Yeah. So we're going to just do a raffle there. We're going to note that out. Okay, the, the one of the prizes is going to be an iPad, or yeah. another one's going to be like whatever, just to have them come so it shows like a little bit more, you know, it's like, oh, I want to go and win something from a recruiting event and get to see what's going on. Just little things like that that would help get people there. But that's something that we're working on right now to do that, um, as well as, you know, when those reps do say, oh, I have this recruit that I want to bring in, they have to fill out a form so we know that they're they're coming. So they're not just, you know, just saying, oh, I have a recruit and, you know, need a raffle. We want to make sure like a Google Doc that you share and they all sign up. Correct. So they'll complete the Google Doc and then they'll have with their resume. We'll call them, just verify them, talk to them really quick. Just, you know, just get get some brief information. So good idea. So when when you when you're there, it's kind of like social at first. You got music on, got food there and stuff. Right. So it's funny. The funny thing is um, that you brought this up. We were actually going to have you come to the recruiting event and speak. Now you heard that it's, you know, it's on here. I'd love to. Um, But yes, we're going to have like little food, uh, just like little appetizers, little appies and some drinks. Um, But yeah, we're going to make it like a social event. Uh, The last one we did was a great turnout. And the good thing is from all my relationships that I built, I know people that are caterers. I know people that do video. I know people that do. So it's just those relationships. I can work it out where it's, it goes within our budget. So like it. Yeah. So it's simple, right? Like I think a lot of people think I need to do that, but think about this. When was the last time you threw a recruiting event, right? I know you guys do them all the time, but get a venue, right? The expectation is everybody on the rep brings one per, or everybody, every rep brings one person. When the reps are there and you introduce them, you send them a link, fill out your information. We'll hit you up and come talk to us. We're going to have a speaker walk through the opportunity and then we give you a raffle Turn the music back on, hang out for a second, and everybody can go on with their night. Yep. I also, we also did a video, like a recruiting video. Oh, cool. Uh, so it looks kind of cool and just like, oh, this, you know, this it's basically saying, oh, you change your life, change your, you know, um, do you want financial freedom? Do you want to have a big change and impact in your life? So just something that's going to target to make them come. That's just one part of what we would be doing for the recruiting event, just having those reps bring other people. But we're going to post it a little bit more in our own social media, our own platform. We're going to be sending out um, just links uh, to the video and to the event. So we're going to try to obviously target people that we know. Um, but that's just a couple different avenues that you can actually work and, yeah. and do. But Very practical, man. I love it. So um, the thing is, like you said, like everyone wants to do a recruiting event, but then they're like, oh, we didn't do it because of this. They don't execute. Yeah. And that's the problem that, you know, most people have is like, oh, they have good plans, great ideas, but they don't execute. It's just yeah. like everyone wants to be rich. Everyone wants to be famous. No one wants to put it work in. Yeah. So the crazy thing about recruiting, too, that I've often thought is people often don't want to recruit their friends because, OK, what if they don't show up? What if they don't like me? What if I'm not good at it? Or people say I'm not good at, at recruiting. Well, 
I'm not good at like riding unicycles because I never do it. I promise you, if I practice, I'd be good on that unicycle. Gotta, but the, you gotta try. You gotta, you gotta try take a risk. But when you do try it, like think about this: if you then it if, shocks you, like, yeah. oh my god, why didn't I do this beforehand? I, I should have recruited my friends. It's easier been. than selling. Yes, you're willing to knock a stranger's door and take rejection ten times to one to get a sale, right? But I'll bet you, if people looked at, okay, how many times have I opened my mouth? And said, hey, you know what? You should try this. Or we got this event. You should just come, like, hear the guys out, you know, get a free meal, whatever. If you look at how many times you tried it, a standard rep will, when they're brand new, say they have no experience, it's about one in 10 pitches that gets them an account created, right? So if you're, if you're just novice, novice, don't have any experience, it takes about 30 pitches to get an install. A recruit is like one in three, or one in four, like talk to a couple of your friends, bring them to the energy of the meeting, let them feel it, let them get them in front of a real recruiter and your ratio is insane, right? And so when you look at this game that we're playing, there's a couple different ways to make money. You make money selling, you make money leading, you make money recruiting. Might as well get as many revenue streams as possible and it's a lot easier than selling. We just and, don't do it that often. And also stock equity with recruiting as well. Yeah. So I always tell people that are trying to recruit, I just say, okay, find out what they what they want, what they're trying to do, what they're doing right now, what can be better at whatever their profession is. Like let's say it's, for example, it's income or it's like they want more freedom with their family or they, you know, they want to change. They want to find, they want some more structure or more culture. They want to do this, find those hot buttons. And then, you know, whatever that hot button is, target it on what we have and we bring to the table. Yeah. And then you're going to be able to just enact like it's not a big deal and say, okay, well, let's say for example, it was uh, financial freedom, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is what we offer for financial freedom. We have reps making this and this and that it all sounds great, but it's just, you got to put the work in, yeah. you know? So why don't you come out and just, you know, come to the recruiting event? Like you said, get some free food, uh, get to meet some of the guys and see if this is something for you. So if someone sits down with you and says, Hey man, I have a goal. I want I'm trying to get more time on the unicycle. I would be like, bring that unicycle over and <laughs> let me get my wheeling. Let me get that wheel. Uh, you're I actually tried to unicycle a couple times. I actually did one in a, a, a Levi's commercial when I was like 12. <laughs> so, and I never really Is rode this one. Is this true? Is this like a God. searchable thing? Swear to God. And I was like trying to do it. And they, at first they were like, oh, well, you need to practice for a while to do this. They just wanted my look is when I had that curly hair. Uh -huh. um, that's when I was really working. Yeah, <laughs> but um, they were like, oh, well, we you to practice and practice and i ended up figuring it out but they kept like cutting it because i kept falling off levi's is like we want a very specific look on a very specific uni. vehicle they want to make sure you're on that nice uni and i need your hair and we need to go and you need to learn how to just stay on it for at least 30 seconds let's go action that's amazing dude i did not know i was going to get that yeah um well hey congratulations on an amazing quarter thank you for being an example of culture perseverance and for uh, continuing to produce and contribute to the league man you're the man i appreciate you having me ty all right and thank you guys this has been another episode of electric people with the dave edwards thanks brother if you're listening to this and interested in joining our teams dm us on instagram at run the league what are you waiting for run the league shoot us a dm and let's get going